1 Kings chapter 19. Hang on to the little handouts. We're going to look at Elijah because I believe a lot of what's happening today is what you see entitled here. Is um, <clears throat> Our enemy is trying to wear down the saints, and we'll look at it. And can you flip it up there, Jennifer? First Kings, there we go. Um, yeah, First Kings chapter nineteen, verse one through eighteen. This is uh, this is concerning Elijah. You remember what happened? He defeated the prophets of Baal there on the mountain, and he came down. He was tired, and Jezebel came against him. Ahab, a wicked king of Israel at that time, and his wife, they came against Elijah. Now here this powerfully anointed man of God was uh, was scared to death because she said, I'm going to kill you, basically. And this is what this scripture talks about. Everybody read it with me, if you would. If you would like to stand, that'd be great And uh, during the reading of his word. And you can read along with me as we read through this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep, and at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in in the fire. And after that, the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and to go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. 
Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel, the Moholah, to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will be put to, will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat, and he was plowing in the twelve oxen, yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair, and Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he sat down to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Thank you, Lord. Elijah, thank you. May God have blessings to read him his word. <clears throat> Elijah is depressed. He is uh, tired. He feels like he's the only one. And God is saying he has 7,000 more hidden away in all. What I believe is happening at this time of history, and at any time really, but certainly during this time, is that obviously I believe that the enemy is wearing down the saints. And that's one scripture that is spoken of in Daniel chapter 7. Listen to it. And it says, He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and plan to change times and law. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and half a time. The enemy, one strategy against you and me is to wear us down to where we feel like giving up. There is no hope. That's what he does on a regular basis. I thought this was so well because each of us need to know that we are to persevere through this time where there's a major onslaught coming against the body of Christ. I believe we are in a time of intense spiritual warfare. I believe that it is, is worse. It will get worse before it will get better. We see things happening, the manifestation of that and the killings and people uh, calling good evil and evil good. They've got everything backwards, and we see that today. People are confused, people are deceived, and they're going through some very tumultuous times, some bad times today. One thing the enemy does in the body of Christ is that he wants you to get weary. He wants you to give up. He wants you to stop. And I wanted today share with you today, don't give up, persevere. Now my, my, my whole thrust when I came back and shared, I believe that God is preparing a bride. And even as we look in, in Revelation chapter 19, I'm, I'm hedging everything that I'm saying on these scriptures here in chapter 19. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. His bride has made herself ready. One of the things that we have to do is to get ready. We've got to get ready for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And it takes a process that God has taken his church through. 
And I believe that he's allowing the enemy to wear down the saints because he says he hands them over. But he has a high purpose in doing that, not to destroy us, remember that, but to actually make give us a persevering spirit to where we won't give up. We can no longer, as a church, continue just to drink the milk that God gives us. We need to get into the meat of God's Word. God is looking for mature saints. He's looking to mature you and me. You know, sometimes when trials come around and, and uh, they're really intense and, and it just doesn't seem like anything going right, our first thought is, Lord, <clears throat> what is going on here? I, I can't take this. Get me out of this. And so God is strengthening you and me during these times, and I believe these scriptures attest to that because obviously he's making ready the bride. Now, I mentioned here a couple weeks ago, I think it was, is being a pastor, I've done several weddings. I did mostly funerals because I was hospice chaplain, but I've done several weddings, many, bright many over the years. And I remember coming into the, uh, the church, and I'd go, is the bride here? No, she's not here. And I'm looking at my time, and I'm going, well, we're getting kind of close to the time the wedding's supposed to start. And so I look, and here, later on, here comes the bride. And I look at the bride, and her hair is all messed up. She's in jeans and a T-shirt. She doesn't have any makeup on. She certainly doesn't have her wedding dress on. She looks like to me, it's going to take her several hours to get ready. because. And I'm looking, we don't have several hours. The, the ceremony begins like in probably less than an hour. Have you ever been in a situation like that or maybe seen that happen? I have. And so here we go. And I'm thinking, Lord... This lady will never get ready for this wedding, for this marriage. And here we go, the room and myself come down front and so forth. And I just hope that the bride really put, uh, put the speed on to get ready to come into the church. And you know what? Every time I've ever done one is when that door opens or that in the back back there is opened up, here this beautiful bride comes down. This bride got ready and here she comes down the altar. I believe what you're seeing today is that Jesus, we are the bride of Christ. How many of you know that? We are the bride of Christ. We've talked about it a little bit and kind of skirted over it at times. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And, and we are, I believe, at this time of history, is that we are to make ourselves ready. And it's very important in knowing how to do that because you become anxious because nothing seems to be working. Nothing seems to be going your way. In fact, if you look in the world's circumstances today, it looks like it's going just the opposite way. And it is in many ways from what you believe today. But as people of faith and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is that we see things from an eternal perspective. But yet when we look at things from that temporary perspective and we don't look at it from an eternal perspective, we know we lose perspective. And we get lost in that, and we get confused, and we get discouraged, and we get disappointed. And we all get discouraged. We all get dis disappointed. We all go through things. We see evil rising up nowadays, and people, you know, again, calling it good. We see just the opposite. So we see that. So it's natural for this to happen. But how are we going to respond? And so we see Elijah, he's going, nobody's listening to my message. Nobody is repenting. 
Nobody is turning to God. In fact, everybody is turn, turning away from God. And he got so discouraged that he obviously said, Lord, take my life. I'm go, I, I, be, I want you to kill me. I want you to take me out because I don't see any hope in this situation. And God gave him a word, I believe, very, very powerful word. And he was a God, he was a godly man, highly anointed of the Lord, had done performed miracles under the power of God's Spirit in his life. And yet he was at that point of desperation. I believe today that's what we're seeing. I wish I could tell you today that the world's circumstances were going to get better. But I can't tell you that. In fact, I believe they're going to get worse. I believe it's going to get more intense than what you've seen before. I believe it's going to get very, very bad and very, very dark. In fact, if you look at Isaiah 60, we've talked about it. I do believe that. And so God is looking for us to get ready. A bride made ready here. And here on that sheet that's encapsulated, winning the war over weariness. I want to point these things out and go through some of these things. I took notes and I put these notes down for you. And I believe they're so important. Be encouraged today, please, by the Spirit of the Lord. I just pray God's encouragement in your life because I want to tell you, some of us get weary. I get weary. And I get downtrodden. But God is saying today something bigger than Jim Barclay that's happening in the earth today. I always say this. I ask God, what is he doing today that I can be a part of? And this is why some of the things, and obviously the teachings that I have and the things I present to you, I always ask that God would, would show me what he's doing that I may be able to be a part of it. And when he shows me, then I know that obviously he's allowing me to be a part of what he's doing in the earth today, okay? How do you win over weariness? And we look at Daniel 7, we said it, he, the Antichrist, will speak against the Most High and wear down the saints, and the saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half time. And I know this is obviously will take place during the tribulation too, but I believe certainly the scripture is for today. And then in Revelation chapter 12, y'all know this scripture is, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Oh, I want to tell you, before that time comes, before I believe the tribulation officially starts, I believe it's going to get very, very rough here. Think of it in terms of this next statement that's on here. When things get harder, it may not be punishment. It may be a promotion. It may be that God is just taking you. And I say when you talk about you want to be raised up by the Lord, certainly. But it's almost like the Lord takes you down a notch because he wants you to have that intimate relationship with his son and with him and with the Holy Spirit, that blessed communion with the Holy Spirit. And so when you feel like that, you know, it's like nothing's going right, you can ask the Lord, Lord, have I missed it? Is there something in my life that you're disciplining me about? And if he doesn't show you anything, then more than likely he's allowing circumstances in your life to certainly build you up and strengthen you and building perseverance in the lives of his children. We can no longer stay immature. It's like a baby. The baby likes the milk for a certain length of time in their, in their lives, and then it's a time that the baby starts eating other things, and then they grow up. It's the same way in our Christian life. We've got to grow up, be more like Jesus. We've got to stop being immature. 
God is maturing the saints by allowing these things to weary us, the enemy, when he comes in like that. Remember also the principle, first the natural and then the spiritual. We see it. We see things happening in the natural today too. Remember this, the, the relationship that's there. You see that happening throughout the earth today, things that are happening. You see things that are kind of, in my, my uh, estimations, if I didn't know the Lord, they'd be scary. You know, you've got people with the finger on the button for atomic bombs. You've got, you've got famine. You've got uh, people at the border now that, are, that, that may just invade and come in and, and there are threats about it. I mean, there's one thing after another that's going on and, and people killing people in authority, whether they be policemen or whatever it may be, on a regular basis, there's no respect for authority anymore that we see here. So we see that and that's what we have to come back to in our Christian walk. And the only way that we can do that is allowing the Spirit of the Lord to mature us. That means getting into His Word. That means, and what was taught in Sunday school this morning, that I believe as I you know, talk with Jerry and the, and the group, is it's so important that we not allow distractions to take us away from our priority in our life, and that is to become more like Jesus. It doesn't make any difference what comes our way. It can be used to make us more like Jesus, to mature us here. And then the next statement here is God is a promise maker. The mature response is for us to be a promise taker. And you can read those scriptures. We won't go all the way through those, but you can read those scriptures. Now, back on your other page here, a bride making herself ready. I have the scriptures up here, Daniel 7, Revelation 19, and then in Matthew 25. Now, Matthew 25 scriptures, y'all know the story of the ten virgins? Ten there, and uh, they all had, they obviously were waiting for the bridegroom. Remember that, the story? And five got ready. Five had their lamps trimmed. They were ready. They were full. I would say full of the Holy Spirit. They were doing the will of God. And they had that. They had prepared. And they went into the, into the house there and shut the door. And remember, the other five said, come on, give us some of your oil because we may run out here shortly, basically is what he's saying. And I'm saying that verbatim. And remember, they said, no, we're not going to give you any of our oil. You need to go and get your own oil because we're afraid we may run out. And remember what happened? They shut the door and the five that were not ready, they weren't prepared. They could not get in the house. The door was locked. They were not prepared. I believe God is raising up a generation of, of people of, of, <clears throat> to glorify His Son, a righteous generation to glorify His Son. And you and I got to get ready. We've got to get mature. We've got to, in the sense of what it said, we've got to have our lamps trimmed and full and flowing over with the Lord. That's why the distractions keep us from doing that. We're involved in so much, and there is so many things that we can do today and so forth. And they're not necessarily bad things, but they're not the best. And they've taken us away from our priority. And that is to be more like Jesus, to get ready, being prepared as the bride of Christ. God is raising up a righteous generation of people. I believe that today with all my heart. And we are to be a people made ready for the Lord. But Satan comes to wear down the saints. God allows us so that we can be strengthened. Think about it today. 
if life was just a piece of cake, we'd all sit back, be uh, fat and happy, so to speak, wouldn't we? We'd all sit back. I don't like trials and tribulations any more than y'all do, trust me. I don't like being worn down to a frazzle any more than anybody else. But let me tell you, God does something through that. And that's what he's saying today. But we've got to realize there is a higher purpose in that than what we realize today when you come upon hard times. The fourth statement here in the bride making herself ready, it says, you might say, God, I can't do this anymore. And God hands us over to train us for battle so that we can be overcomers. You know what he talks about in the book of, of Revelation? For those who overcome, I'll give them the crown of life. Those who overcome, it's consistently through the book of Revelation. Those who overcome. God's raising up that generation that overcomes the enemy because they're mature, because they've been made ready, and they are looking for the soon return of Jesus Christ here. In Genesis chapter 6, God's heart's grieved. Remember there about Noah? Remember what happened there in Noah? Know the story probably from a, even as, as a little kid. You remember he said, I, I'm, I've made a mistake by even putting man, by creating mankind and so forth. But he found Noah, remember? He found one righteous man. And he said, build an ark. They didn't know what rain was. And he said, gather the animals two by two and so forth and get ready because something's getting ready to happen. Remember, all those years, Noah and his sons, they built the ark and they didn't see anything happen. There was one man, one man that responded to God in that way. You remember the story of Abraham? He went in to get Lot and Abraham was bargaining with the Lord and he's getting whittled down. He said, you know, if they're just, if they're just 10 men, righteous men, in Sodom and Gomorrah, then, then I won't have to destroy it. Remember, he couldn't find ten righteous men, and so he had to destroy it. You remember there in Ezekiel where it talks about, he looked for one man, one person, to stand in the gap and pray, so I won't have to be able to pour out my, so I won't pour out my wrath upon those people. He couldn't find one man. I believe God is looking for one man, one woman today, to say, I will persevere. I will take up the mantle and I will walk with God today no matter where He leads me and no matter what I have to go through in life to be able to be made more like Jesus and be made as far as the bride being made ready. I believe He's looking for that one person today. But you know, I see a church here of people, full of people, that are saying, I want to be that one person. I'll be that one. I'll do that. I'll take up the mantle and I will stand firm, and I will not back down. When we're weary and discouraged, God may be preparing to promote us instead of discipline us, because sometimes it is discipline, He does that. But if it's not discipline, and you confess to the Lord, and He doesn't show you anything, it could be that He's strengthening you and I, that we'll mature in our faith. And I mentioned here again, Lord, did I mess up? And I believe God is expressing his confidence in us. He has chosen us. Now, that's a mystery to me because I know my frail, my failings. I know my frailty. I know my weakness. And yet he has chosen people like you and me. He's chosen churches like Lighthouse Fellowship and you and me to stay the course, 
and to know even when the hard times get rough that we're to hang in there and we're to trust the Lord here. Ephesians chapter 3 says that we are to come to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want to tell you today, he's looking for people who will come, think about it, to the measure of the fullness of God. You're talking about being filled with God in that particular manner? He's looking for people and vessels to be able to use. He's chosen us here. We cannot quit when it gets tough. The devil tempts us to quit. Galatians 6 says that we will bear fruit if we don't give up. We will bear fruit. If you don't give up and you say, I'm going to keep on keeping on, then you will bear fruit according to the word of God. And that word of God cannot be retracted. He will bear fruit during that time. You do not give up. But enemy comes along, he's trying to weary. He wears you. If you're worn out today and you're saying there's nothing, nothing, no sin in my life that I know of, God hasn't shown me, and so forth, then I want to tell you today, it could be that the enemy is trying to wear you down, trying to get you discontented so much and so frustrated, so aggravated that you get off course from what God has. That's who he is. Let me tell you, the good thing about it is, you see here, if we have a pulse, then we have a purpose. Because many of us think we get to a certain age, right? And we think, hey, this is it, and God can't use me. No, I want to tell you today, be encouraged. God can use every person in this place this day because you're not laying out. We're not calling the mortician, are we? We're not calling the, uh, the funeral home on your behalf. You're up. If you have a pulse, then you have a purpose here. The wonderful thing about it, if you're not dead, then you're not done, all right? Be committed. Do we love Jesus enough not to quit? That's the question. Are we in love with Jesus enough not to quit? I heard a pastor talking about this recently, and they were planting a church, and they started in a school, and he felt called to do it, but it just was not working. Things were not working out the way he wanted, okay? And maybe we feel like that in life. Things are not working out. And so he was getting ready to stop. I mean, he was getting ready to quit. And so he went to a church, another church, where his pastor friends were there, and he just didn't want to be around anybody, and he walked away and all this, and he, he was kind of maybe back in a corridor back there, and a lady came up to him and looked at him, and he said, she said, can I pray for you? And he, he said, basically, well, give it your best shot. Okay, sure, you know. And she kneeled down and prayed for him. And she got, when she got up, he, she looked him in the eye and said, do you love Jesus enough not to quit? Changed his heart because it was a word that God wanted to speak to him. He's been my friend for about 30 years and my mentor. He went and to the to a luncheon with the leaders of the church. And they were all sitting around, and he was extremely weary, extremely tired, and again, during this time, getting ready to say, I'm just going to toss it all in. And he looked at the leaders, and he said this. He said, if all, you wanted, if all of you want to go, I'm releasing you right now to leave. If you want to leave, I'll let you go. I'll, I'll give you permission to go. And they stood there, kind of looked at him and said, God's told us to stay and to keep on keeping on. And the church now is an established church on the northwest side of Houston. They didn't give up. We don't give up. We do not back down. 
even though the devil is trying to weary the saints. If God has called you, and I want to make it very, very personal. I say this, don't get, get me wrong, but I'm going to say it. If God has called you to this church, then let's get with it. If God hasn't, then we need to do something else, right? God's called me to be pastor of this church, and I need to get with it. If he hasn't, then I need to do something else, right? I work at Costco. I'm telling you, I believe that something is big happening because I believe when you're obedient to the Lord, something powerful in the spirit realm takes place. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. When you're simple, Vince, you think, I can't do much for the Lord. And in your eyes and the way the world looks at it, it may not be very big. But when you do something, remember the scriptures tell us, when we've done it unto the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. When you've done something, so I, 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 yesterday, a guy came up to me and he wanted uh, some food and I had some, some stuff and people were fixing some food and so forth and he was off the streets. And he came up and I said, well, you know, he's probably, he's looking for help and so forth. And we sat down and started talking. And he said, Jim, I've, I've been in prison. And uh, I've gotten out, but it just seems like nothing is working for me. He said, I can't get a job. I, I need some type of finances to be able to, bear, to, to buy a pair of work boots and also uh, for an ID badge for, to be able to present to people that he would work for and so forth, an official ID identification and so forth. And we sat there and talked, and I shared with him how important he is in the kingdom of God. And he looked at me. And it was almost like he had never heard that before. And I prayed with him. I had others pray with him and, and talk with him and so forth. And, and all. I want to tell you today, the church has the answer. You have the answer. His name is Jesus. And you know, you go, how can I witness for the Lord? Well, let me tell you, get into Scripture. Memorize Scripture. And then when somebody comes up to you and, and shares with you, what must I do to get saved? I, I'm, I've got guilt. I've got shame. I feel like I've, I've, I've messed up. I know I've messed up. I want to get my life cleaned up today. And share with them from the Word of God. You, and share with them what God has done in your life about the saving power of Jesus Christ. There are people that will be placed in your path, and I told you this, in my path, that I least expect. People that, that I'm like, you know, they may not be church folk, but they're people who God loves. And God loves that man. He was all scraggly and, and all, but he tried to clean himself up the best he could. God is doing something today, and we need to get mature and understand. You know, you've got to, you'll become like the one that you follow. We need to follow Jesus. Hebrews 12 talks about, you know, that we're to run the race with perseverance casting off every sin that it so easily entangles us in running, focusing upon the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, sometimes it getting disentangled from those things of the world may not necessarily be sin. It may just be things that are, are not the best that God has for us. 
the things of the world, the distractions of the world that we are so entangled with. And God is saying, get disentangled with those things and become mature in your faith with Jesus Christ. He's preparing the bride. Amen. In James chapter 1, it says, count it all joy. <laughs> when you come under these trials and tribulations, I, I was thinking, what's wrong with James? Count it all joy? Are you kidding me? Count it all joy? But that's the scripture when you come. Do you rejoice in the trials and the tribulations that you face in life? Do you rejoice no matter what is happening in your life? Do you, you thank God no matter what? Let me tell you, I'm challenged with that. Maybe you are also, maybe not. But he says, count it all joy because trials are not always for punishment. They are to grow us up. And God rewards us and appreciates what we've done for him. Our obedience may not look like much, but we have no idea of its impact. Even when you're disobedient in the small things, you have no idea what it's like and what happens in the spirit realm, no matter what you're going through. If you're weary today, trust me, there may be something going on. You know there's no sin in your life. I want to tell you, God may be just maturing you and maturing me. Over here, winning the war of weariness, reasons to overcome because God's not through with you. You can look at 2 Corinthians. Because of God's promise of a harvest, Galatians chapter 6, that we will bear fruit if we don't give up. Because we are followers of Jesus Christ, the victor, and we can look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Because of biblical reality, we know that we count it all joy and, and there's a refinement. There's like the refiner's fire because when the heat gets turned up, I want to get out of the kitchen, right? Don't you? Oh, let's get out of it. Let's bolt from this kitchen because it's getting too hot in here. But if you'll stand, God will mature you. God will do something in your life because the challenge the Lord gives us in James chapter 1, count it all joy because no one ever achieved anything great for the Lord without overcoming obstacles and opposition. Let me say it again. Because no one ever achieved anything great for the Lord without overcoming obstacles and opposition. No one. Paul, look at the life of Paul. Y'all study it in Sunday school. Study it in your home. I Look at what happened to Paul. I mean, he was persecuted and, you know, whipped, thrown out of houses, and all kinds of stuff went on with him. You remember, but he didn't give up, did he? He took that and he allowed the Lord to use it. Think about it today. Is anybody remembered because they quit? You know of anybody? Anybody come to your mind because they quit? I don't know of anybody because they quit. Don't quit. Even Abraham Lincoln, he didn't give up. He had little chance of winning the presidency. But he didn't give up. He kept on and kept on. And I believe it applies to Galatians chapter 6. If you don't give up, you will, will, will bear fruit in due season because of the reality that God is faithful because God has promised to always be with us. I'll share with you what that means. I love that scripture. And years ago, I, I read the Greek translation. And in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Jesus said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. And this particular translation emphasizes what it means. It means I will never, 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 never leave you. And you go, well, Lord, Jim, that's fine. I, God's with me and so forth. means he will not abandon you. But he goes on to say, nor forsake you. What does forsake mean? It means that Jesus will never turn his heart away from you. No matter what you do, no matter where you've been, no matter what is happening, he will never turn his heart away from you. Not only will he not abandon you, he will never turn his heart away from you. Now that's good news and we can shout hallelujah to the rooftops. Amen? Never, never, never. That's why we don't quit. Because God is with us always. And because if you're working for the Lord, then what you do matters. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you can read that. But it talks about the things we do for the Lord, I believe under His guidance and direction, is those things will last. Those other things that we don't do under the power of God, and we just kind of wanted to do it. They were good things but they may not make it through the fire. He doesn't say we won't be saved. It says that they'll be saved, but it says as going through the fire. We will be judged is what it's saying. The judgment seat of Christ. Now, when that happens, I'm not sure. There are different theologians believe different things. I have my thoughts, but, you know, we will stand and we will be judged for what we have done in the kingdom of God for the Lord Jesus Christ under His direction and his rule and reign, okay? Not the white throne judgment, which are for unbelievers. We don't lose our salvation. But I believe we will be judged and rewarded according to what we have done for the Lord. You know one thing I remember when I get down into dumps and so forth? Remember, there's a war going on, and I began to get before the Lord and pray and so forth. But let me tell you, I remember this. I remember, I'll be judged. Now, I don't do it legalistically, and sort of out of rote. I do it because, why? I love Jesus. But do I love Jesus enough not to quit? Do I love Jesus enough to go the extra mile? Do you love Jesus enough? And you see, the bottom line of all what we say is do you love Jesus enough to do what God has called you to do? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none, you see, people won't go. You know, the, the way to life is narrow, but the way to destruction is wide. And so few enter into that life, but many go into that way of destruction. And the question is today, are you serious about your walk with the Lord? Do you believe that? Can you hang in there? Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely talking about David pursuing his enemies and so forth. I believe this surely actually in the Hebrew means is that it's kind of like surely goodness and mercy. They, they seek us out. They, they seek us. They, they come out. They pursue us. Isn't that great? <laughs> surely goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy are, are seeking us out. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely. Can we say Surely. Surely, he wants to say it. Surely means it's certain. And then Isaiah 35, 4, be strong, be strong. Daniel 11, be strong and do exploits. And then the declarations you can make 
I'll not be robbed of God's promises. I will not be silenced from God's praises. I'll not be deceived about God's presence, mercy, and goodness. I'll go back to 1 Corinthians there at the bottom of the other sheet, chapter 3, verse 10. states that some people will build well, but some will not. It's important how we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Those who have built well will be rewarded. Those who did not build well will be saved, but they'll suffer loss. One of the things that my heart is committed towards, and that is, let me express this. I hope you understand. Don't get me wrong, but this is my heart. And that is, it's not on filling buildings with people. It's actually filling people with God. That's my goal. That's my focus and my priority. It's not filling buildings with people, although I, love, I want church growth. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. But I'm saying my priority is feel is filling people with God. And so today, as we think about this, are you saying, I, I'm going to hang in there? I understand more now that we've kind of explained it. The enemy is wearing us out. But he has a higher purpose here. He's maturing us. We cannot stay immature. We've got to rally around the cause of Jesus Christ. And so each one today, I, I just pray that you come and say, Lord, and maybe get before the Lord and just sit there and, and tell him, I want to be an overcomer. I want to mature in my relationship with Jesus. I want to be so in love with Jesus that I wouldn't even think about quitting. I want to know the glorious Son of God. His name is Jesus. That's my prayer today. And I believe it's your prayer also. That God have His way in your life. And I pray today a couple things. One, we share a lot. If you don't know Jesus and you've never accepted Jesus, today would may be the day and saying, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I've blown it. And I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to know. I need to know I'm forgiven. I need to know when I take my last breath that I'm going straight to heaven. I need to know that. Maybe some of you, maybe someone would say, I just need a renewal. I need, I need my faith revived to come back to that place of saying, I'm not going to be wishy-washy but I'm going to come and I'm committing that I will mature in my faith and my love for Jesus. There's no other way if you're not in love with Jesus. Let me tell you, the enemy will put everything else in there and you'll be in love with that. I'll be in love with cars, houses, money. I'll be in love with all these other things. You know, you saw in, on the TV, when people hit the door at whatever store it was, Walmart or whatever, and they were tearing those big screens out of there like crazy, weren't they? Let's get those big screens. Probably one of the greatest distractions there are, aren't they, Jerry? <laughs> the big screens. But they'll run, and they'll sleep on the sidewalk for that. 
intense, right? But what will we do for Jesus? Are we giving our hearts and lives away for Him? Well, the world's giving their hearts away to the things of this world. Materialism, I believe, is one of the biggest demons around. Individualism and, de- and materialism. It's, it's not of the Lord. He wants, He'll bless you. But when we put that as an idol in our heart, that this, we got to have a big screen and we're not going to be happy. Or we got to have this or we're not going to be happy. The only one that can really be happy, you can be happy with is Jesus. Be happy in Jesus. The only way. Give your heart to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your presence. I just pray you'd lift us up. We mount up on wings like eagles. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint because we're seeking after you with all of our heart. We right now, Lord, we nailed it down and said this is where we stand. We may be weary. We may know it it may be coming from the enemy. Certainly it could be. But we believe you're making the bride ready. And Lord, I want to be ready. And I believe this church wants to be ready. I believe the body here, or they wouldn't be here. And they're not here by accident. They're here because you called. And so, Lord, right now, we commit our lives to maturing in Jesus, getting into the Word, maybe in developing our prayer life, being aware of His presence, worshiping Him throughout the day. And when we get ready to come here on Sunday morning, we'll be ready because we've already prepared. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this church. What you're doing in every life here the love of Jesus just flows through each one, and I'm grateful just to be a part. We give you the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.